You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to provide your fantasy fix with Mike Harmon from SwollenDome.com and spotlight the Patriots with Andy Hart from Patriots Football Weekly. Brian, let's start the podcast by discussing cuts and trades as the teams fill out their final 53-man roster. He's your guy, and he's back in Denver, and he had a lot to say when he met with the media after his way by Cleveland. Hello, Denver, Brock Osweiler. You know, I do see myself as a starter in the National Football League. Um, you know, I feel like um, I proved that back in 2015. However, um, in saying that, you know, this is Trevor Simeon's team. And right now, my job is to be the backup of this football team and do it to the best of my ability. You know, get the scout team running, get our defense ready to go. Um, and I'm going to embrace that role with everything I have because, like I said, um, I'm so happy to be back here and, and there's no, no greater place in the NFL. You know how happy he was, Cordell? Way do you register the enthusiasm of Brock Osweiler here? It's hard to, to really d- describe it in words, but being back here today, practicing as a Bronco, being here at Dove Valley, it's uh, probably a top five, if not three, day of my life. Today's been incredible. All right, we got to play that again. I, <laughs> I have to process that because I had read the quote, but I need to hear it one more time. Top five? Say that for me one more time, Brock Osweiler. It's hard to, to really d- describe it in words, but being back here today, practicing as a Bronco, being here at Dove Valley, it's uh, probably a top five, if not three day of my life. Today's been incredible. All right, let's go with the notion it's a top three day, Cordell. He's married, so we're going to go with his wedding day as one of the two better days. What else do you think could surpass coming back to Denver? And in fairness, now he's number two on the depth chart, at least for now, because Paxton Lynch is out with the shoulder injury. Signing that contract with the Houston Texans and getting that $36 million guaranteed and a part of being a, a part of the money in Cleveland. So what is what is what is Denver pick up now? About seven hundred fifty uh, grand. It's, it's just the one year veterans minimum. Let me All tell you totally was getting the sixteen million either way. When you go through complete hell like Brock Osweiler has done throughout the media over the last just two one year, two years, you better believe coming back to Denver and being amongst that crowd where people are probably saying, one, you shouldn't have left, and two, we're glad to have you back. You better believe that. That's where his last good memory was and is. I mean, you have an organization that believes in him. They love that he's coming back for the low. The Wait a minute. They low. believe in him? They would not well, now match, they do because they they would not match Houston's offer yeah, last year. They, they could have, have kept him. him. They don't have to give him 750000 You wouldn't believe in him? I love him. If I was, if I was John Elway as opposed to him wanting a max of 64 million bucks, and you saw what the Houston Texans gave him in 72, got 36 of that guaranteed, but now I get you for 750, he's the best quarterback in the league. I'm the Denver Broncos. So they you love him why? at that price, oh, which is I love virtually him at that free. Price. Oh, he's unbelievable at that price. Almost seven-foot-tall, rangy guy. Oh, his potential and his upside is tremendous at 750000 <laughs> I got him. And now all of a sudden he has money in his pocket from someone else. And now he gets to come back to really appreciate. But he's lucky. He's, he's one of the luckiest players along with Kirk Cousins, uh, I think, in, 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 the, in the league right now. Because how often do you get a chance when going through negotiations to leave and then have a chance to come back and sit there and basically count to yourself in the room and say, you know what? 
my God, I'm back in heaven again where I knew I should have stayed, but because I wanted the money, I went and got it. It gave me a chance to come back. $750,000 is a lot of money right now to Brock Osweiler. Honestly. Because he's the, making $16 million overall. No, no, not that. that's not the reason. Because he was in hell in, in Houston and in Cleveland. <laughs> because he chose Houston, and he got beat out by hey. Deshaun Kaiser and Cody Kessler in Cleveland because he can't play. And that's why Denver is the best place in the world for him right now, because they know him, and they'll put him in position. I guarantee you if he has to play, he won't play that bad. Guaranteed. Not in Denver. Yet. All right. Can I write this down? Because you, you guarantee oh, write it he down. was going to win picture. comeback player of the year honors, too. Oh, baby, don't you dare. It's not over with. Week haven't even started yet. <laughs> Week one hadn't started yet. So it ain't over, bro. <laughs> just imagine. Let's just speak hypothetically. That really does happen. Say he has to play. Say the shoulder is hurt of Paxton Lynch and he can't come back soon enough. Something just so happens to happen to Trevor Simeon, which we hope it doesn't. This kid gets a chance to go in and play, and he plays lights out football. Then what do we say? Then how do you, how do you add it up? You said it's going to be a mirage. That's going to be another mirage. That's going to be another one of those hocus-pocus situations. It can't be real, right? Just imagine. So guess what? It's not off the table. But (laughs) at the same time, that brother was in trouble when he was in Houston and Cleveland. No one knew him. No one cared about him. All they knew, he was an overpriced, huge quarterback that wasn't producing. And now he goes back to Denver, making less money than what he was making before. They don't have to deal with that big price tag that Houston had and also Cleveland. And now what he's getting paid overall this year alone. How much you said he's getting? What? He's getting, let let me explain. Denver's only on the hook for less than a million dollars. Denver is. Cleveland is paying the rest of it. So he's still getting the 16 million. That did not change. So answer this question. Don't you now understand why he's getting paid still and he's back with the Denver Broncos where his heart truly was? Oh, he's winning. Uh, you know what? Man, I'm going to get this scout team working so good. <laughs> oh, they're going to be the best scout team in the National Football League. Matter of fact, this is one of the top five places ever. Top five to maybe even three. Top three days of his life. Of his life. <laughs> Marriage. Getting paid in Houston. Getting paid. And now, and now back in Denver. In Denver. I want, I want to know if it's between the money and the wife. Which one goes yeah, first? I was presuming. I, I don't know how to slot those days. Hey, I, you know what? On the low, I'll tell my boys, man, that, that money, when I got that money at 36 feet, <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> That's what I would say. Hey, the money don't I mean, leave you. We know that, money. right? Oh, it can. Let him do something wrong. <laughs> Let him do something he has no business. Oh, it'll leave him. Right. Oh, that'd be one of the worst I, I, days of his life. I have to be a better host because we have fantasy advice on the way. I mentioned what was going on between a lot of players, according to reports, especially on defense within the Bronco locker room. Miff, the TJ Ward was asked to take a pay cut, then cut, landed in Tampa Bay. Let's hear from your good friend Vance Joseph reacting to the reports that there's a bad vibe within the locker room that Ward was cut. He was obviously a... Uh a valuable teammate for these guys. You know, I mean, they won a lot of games together, so it's natural. You know, it's expected. You know, it's a it's a it's a close knit locker room. So I wasn't surprised to see guys saying, "Hey, you know, we're going to miss TJ. We don't want him to go." That's natural. You know, and it should be that way in the locker room. If it's not, and that would be concerning. Let us give the final word to TJ Ward, the safety, reflecting on the transition from Denver to Tampa Bay. They got to live with. It. I got to live with. It. And we'll see what happens, but. I'm gonna make sure I land on my feet. That's just me. Could have let me know what was going on. You had a full off season. You know, I know it's a business, but when you have good employees, you're supposed to treat your employees a certain way. 
You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Stay up to date on the latest news as it happens on TuneIn. From American politics to global events, get live 24-7 coverage with some of the top news media outlets in the world, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Radio. And when breaking news hits, TuneIn keeps you updated with up-to-the-minute reports and analysis on the biggest stories of the day. Thank you for joining us with this breaking news report. Really appreciate it. Day or night, get live news coverage from around the world on TuneIn. There's hits, and then there's all-time rock classics from the 60s and 70s. With classic rock hits on TuneIn, relive the very best sounds that defined an entire generation. If I ever get out of here, of it all Listen to the greatest rock songs in history with classic rock hits on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Let's hear from Andy Hart from Patriots Football Weekly and Patriots.com Radio looking ahead to Thursday's season opener against the Chiefs. Andy, we appreciate the time. Now that the Patriots have traded Jacoby Brissett to the Colts, what do you think the financial future of Jimmy Garoppolo looks like? You know, it's interesting because that's everybody's sort of was trying to tie the trade into what it means for Brady and Garoppolo. And I understand that. I'm not sure it has much of a meaning. I think it's more about Bill Belichick deciding Brissett was not part of the future, was not, you know, what he thought he could be when he drafted him. And, you know, he's been slow to develop over the last year plus, hasn't had a lot of chances, despite what we saw in the the impressive fourth preseason game. But, yeah, a lot of people said, oh, this means – you know, they're keeping Garoppolo forever because they don't have a backup now or whatever. And, you know, I've thought all along, and I think I've told you guys this, I think there's a chance they franchise Jimmy Garoppolo. I think there's a chance they keep two quarterbacks next year and pay their backup uh, $24 million, Jimmy Garoppolo, to just sort of, you know, as coaches like to say, extend the game, extend the game to give yourself a chance. Well, extend this game of sort of chicken or insurance policy with Brady and Garoppolo. So, I've sort of thought all along there was a chance they were going to franchise Garoppolo, and I guess now since you don't have a number two in the waiting, uh, maybe that increases those chances. Yeah, big time, because I, I just didn't see numbers-wise, because it's not the norm to see your backup, let's just say, making more than the starter, even though the situation <laughs> in New England is totally different uh, when it comes down to that. But when you look at you know, how this team is created, I mean, just go to the next level. From one of the better receivers on this team getting injured for the year with the ACL tear, uh, to all of a sudden getting Brandon Cooks to come in and look at the chemistry between he and Tom Brady. You know, is it is it good fortune that you see with this team in a sense of how they approach every year when it comes to free agency or even come to the draft and, and guys just being able to get it in play and not miss a beat? You know, I think it's it, it's good decision-making. It's, it's planning. It's a coach who is the top decision maker, who's also really on the same page with his top personnel guy in Nick Casario. And I think, you know, where you get in trouble with other organizations is sometimes the blame game because mistakes are going to happen. And, you know, the Patriots make as many mistakes as anyone. You know, they take a Dominic Easley in the first round and it doesn't work out and they move on a couple of years later. Or they trade for Coney Ealy and they move on, but there's no finger pointing. There's no excuse making. There's no, you know, the GM blames the coach and the coach blames the GM. It's 
it's one mentality, one page, and they figure out how to move past it. And, you know, I think they do a great job balancing the short and the long term. Um, and that has ways of, of finding guys and, and, and making sure guys are in place. And, you know, you bring Brandon Cooks in this offseason with an eye on maybe he replaces Edelman as the go-to guy in, say, two years. Well, that may have been the plan, but he's also here now, and because Edelman goes down with an ACL, you have a guy ready to step in and and handle a large part of the receiving load. So, um, you know, it's it's some good fortune, certainly timing, but, you know, the way they make decisions and the way they try to balance their cap and not overextend themselves uh, for very many people, you know, they do it every once in a while for a Gronkowski. If you're really the best at your position, they'll pay you, but... You know, other than that, if you're just a top five player, they're not going to overextend. They're not going to overextend for anyone. But, um, you know, I think it's really an overlapping mentality of prepared for the now, prepared for the future, and when we screw up, move on from it, fix it, and don't try to, you know, belittle the point or belabor the point uh, or point fingers. Just move on. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Your reference, Coney Ely. Andy, what's the potential impact of that failed experiment and the sacks he might have came up with for the defense? You know, I think if you're looking at, um, you know, trying to find a fatal flaw, I guess, on this team, um, the couple options might be the offensive line, the defensive line, the lack of a pass rush on the defensive line, um, because they, they see Rob Ninkovich retire, they lose Sheard, and Chris allow Chris Long basically to leave in the offseason. And Ely was sort of the, the name, the guy they brought in via trade um, to take some of that load. And it just, it just didn't work from day one. Um, so he didn't even make it out of camp. They've had you know, some misfortune where they lose Derek Rivers, um, their top pick, to a torn ACL. Um, but that, that cupboard is really, really bare at defensive end. Um, and they're going to have to scheme it up. You know, they, they made a trade this week. Uh, Cassius Marsh from the, the Seahawks, who's been sort of a, a backup and a special teamer for them. Can he give them some reps on the edge? Maybe. Um, but I still think you're going to see them have to lean on their past coverage more than anything else. You know, you have a couple Pro Bowl corners and Stephon Gilmore and Ma- Malcolm Butler, you know, one of which you pay $65 million. I think you're going to ask that secondary to cover a little longer this year, try to scheme up a pass rush, just get, just get enough out of Trey Flowers get enough out of, you know, maybe a veteran like Lawrence Guy. Um, but certainly they are not going to have a lot of pressure. And, you know, they, they've never been a big sack team, but this is going to be a down year for them in terms of pass rush. Andy, which team in the AFC scares you when it comes down to who could potentially give the New England Patriots, uh, let's just say, the biggest problem? You know, I, it, it's really two teams that we saw last year. You know, Pittsburgh and Oakland, I think you question – you know, are they ready for the next step? I think they both have, you know, good talent, obviously. Pittsburgh, you got maybe the best running back and receiver in the game. Um, you have an aging quarterback who, thinking about retirement, you know, is that something that could derail whatever their season's going to be? Um, but I think Pittsburgh, you know, the, the team they faced in the AFC title game last year has made some moves. They bring in Joe Hayden to try to get better on defense. Maybe they're going to, you know, man up with the Patriots a little bit more if they do end up in a matchup in the postseason. Does that make them better and close the gap? Maybe. And then you look at the Raiders, a team that I thought had a chance to be an AFC title game team last year until Carr got hurt. Um, You know, they bring in Marshawn Lynch at a running game. 
but is either team really on the Patriots level? I would argue no. And, you know, I don't see a lot of other contenders in the AFC. Houston, it all comes down. We, you know, we, we talked about this with you guys. When we were down in West Virginia during those joint training camp uh, practices. comes down to quarterback. If Houston gets some quarterback play, they certainly have the potential. They have playmakers on offense. They have playmakers on defense. J.J. Watt looks like he's ready for a huge year. But if they don't get the quarterback play, none of that will matter. So I still think it's the Raiders and Steelers, and then you know the rest of the pack needs to figure out how they, they shake down. Andy, last one for me. So tough to watch Julian Edelman go down with the torn ACL in a non-contact situation, but you know how it works in the NFL. you got to move on. What are you forecasting for Philip Dorsett, who the Patriots got from Indy in the Jacoby Brissett deal? I think you're going to see him sort of have to ease into things here. Uh, he's an insurance policy to start out the year, basically, with upside. You know, a former first-round pick, they liked him coming out of Miami. He's a guy with 4-3 speed, so this team now has the ability to put Brandon Cooks on one side, Philip Dorsett on the other side, and say, I'm just going to blow the top off this defense. You need to get back. If you get back, I'm going to hit Chris Hogan underneath. I'm going to hit Deion Lewis. I'm going to hit Rob Gronkowski underneath. If you don't get back, we'll lob it up and see if we can take our chances. So it gives them some, some diversification in the offense, um, but it's going to take him a while to, to learn the scheme. We all know over the years, for every hit they've had at the receiver position, you know, a guy like Chris Hogan that comes in right away and contributes, they've had a lot of misses. Guys that just struggle, never learn the system, or only here for a year because they can't get on the same page with Brady. And you know, so Dorsett certainly has skill and upside, um, but he's a guy that's gonna. It's gonna take some while, I think, before he's a regular contributor on the field for for more than limited packages, limited personnel groupings. Um, you know, I know one thing a lot of fans were hoping is that maybe he'd be an option in the return game because they lost Edelman and Cyrus Jones to ACLs, their top two punt returners. But he hasn't really done it in the NFL, hasn't done it here in practice yet. He said that he would do it if they asked him to, but um, hasn't done it yet. So I think he's really an insurance policy for the first half of the year, and then you see if he can sort of work his, his way into more personnel groups and maybe be a bigger factor down the stretch. Andy, as always, we appreciate the information and the time. We'll be looking for you when we watch the game on Thursday on NBC to be giving Commissioner Goodell a standing ovation because we know it's going to be a warm reception at Gillette Stadium. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's not going to be fun for Mr. Goodell, but, hey, that's why he makes the big bucks, right? <laughs> if you make $40 million a year, you can get booed. Yeah. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. Thanks, Andy. Enjoy the game on Thursday. Thanks, guys. See you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to hear exclusive interviews with SZA. And I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know. Legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from or pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music. So the inspiration for this album was a lot of passion relationships. Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Hi, I'm Kelly Sutton from TuneIn Country Roads. Was it more love or war putting us together? I loved it, but it, <laughs> it was war. Really? We're broadcasting every day live from Nashville. News and interviews with your favorite country stars. When I first heard this song, I knew it was me. Kiss me out of pretty girls say with all of your favorite new country songs. Join me on Country Roads on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
Cordell, let's continue the countdown to kickoff for Thursday's season opener between Kansas City and New England, spotlighting Chief Safety Eric Berry. Let's continue to get you ready for Thursday's kickoff game at Foxborough. You can catch it on TuneIn Premium. It's time for the original team player presented by Miller Lite. It's Chief Safety Eric Berry. It's NFL No Huddle, spotlighting the stars of the game who played their hearts out for one team their entire career. It's the original team player presented by Miller Lite. Eric Berry has spent his entire career with the Chiefs, selected with the fifth overall pick coming out of Tennessee in the 2010 draft. Whatever the Chiefs do on the field this year, Berry has already secured the ultimate victory after he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2014. Cordell, he beat cancer, earning Comeback Player of the Year honors in 2015. Oh, that's tremendous. Uh, anytime that can happen, having a a mother and a father who passed because of cancer. Uh, I don't want to hover that over Eric Berry's head, but he fought and he beat it, and he's still here. And, and, and while everyone was scared, I know I was for him, uh, to see him actually back in full-fledged, playing really hard, being able to understand what, what adversity, truly, adversity truly is, being able to persevere, but yet get back on the football field, play under the franchise tag, of the 10 million bucks he had a chance to play on it, then all of a sudden, because he played really good, he stayed focused, he had the support of his teammates, the support of his family, the support of the Kansas City community, the Chiefs community, uh, and along with friends around him, uh, it, it gave him the opportunity uh, to not once he just, not once he beat it, but also beating it as well as on top of it, playing some really good football, which end up allowing him to have a bigger deal, which I know he's happy about. So it's great to see that he's back healthy, back doing his thing, doing his and being a, a let's just say a role model, not just, you know, to people close to him, but but to, to those around him that's far away, whether it's fans and people, just the average everyday person to teammates, even and coaching staffs and and even myself and you and others who are touched by the story of Eric Berry when it comes down to being able to survive such a tragic disease, one that is one of the worst out there of all time because it's, it's too much going on when it comes down to cancer. But he's been able to beat it, and I'm happy for him. Cordell, when I think of Berry, there's a singular moment that occurred last year. You're based in Atlanta, and you know what it meant, not only in that game, but validating the tenacity of Eric Berry as – Kansas City was on the road in the Georgia Dome. He came up with the interception on the two-point conversion, took it all the way back for two points, a critical moment in the game, and it was his homecoming to the city of Atlanta. Watching that game, listening on TuneIn Premium, it felt like something bigger than football was happening last year. Yeah, it was. I mean, here it is. He's a player um, that plays tough, just as tough as any player in the National Football League, particularly in the secondary. And to see good fortune come his way on that level. Uh, that, that's always a great story, man. That, that's one thing about when it comes to, to covering sports in general. Uh, you always want to have an opportunity to storytell. And I think this is one with Eric Berry that I think everyone can appreciate him for sure when seeing him, whether it be in recovering a, or recovering a fumble or even catching an interception and returning for a touchdown, which, can, which determined the outcome of that game. Uh, you can't do nothing but root for a player like that. And, and to see him, again, overcome the odds uh, of something that's tragic in, in many families and people's lives to overcome that and still be here and be able to make a difference on every single level, uh, I, I think that is that is one that is, is heartfelt, but most importantly gives you an opportunity to understand it. You know what? When you think you're going through tough times, think of people like the Eric Berries of the world. Uh, look, at, look at how he's done it. Look at how he's doing it. And I think when you see him be able to return one of those types of plays on the road in his hometown. 
uh, and score a touchdown to help determine the outcome of that game, uh, that, that's a pretty special moment for him, and I'm more than sure his football team. Undeniably, that defensive PAT was the biggest moment that afternoon in Georgia, spotlighting Chief Safety Eric Berry, our original team player, presented by Miller Lite. All right, partner, let's talk X's and O's, and we have discussed a lot on this show the progression of the safety position over the years. It's been de-emphasized in some schemes, corner-driven league, clearly, but when you look at Barry, Cordell, what stands out in terms of skill set, athletic ability that makes him so impactful? Well, he just knows where to be on the football field. You know, you could tell he's a veteran. You could tell he studies. Uh, his anticipation of certain things happening, being in the right place at the right time. And when you give effort and you have a ton of hustle about you, uh, it'll position you well when it comes down to playing the game. And, and one thing about Eric Berry is very seldom he's out of position. Uh, I think he's the leader in the secondary when it comes to making certain calls. Uh, he's the run stopper in the box when it comes down to making plays in the run game. Uh, he's the eighth man that comes down in the hole, and, and he does just that. He makes the plays, but if you need him to cover and be in the right place at the right time, he does that extremely well, too. So um, I think that's why you you see him having as much success in the game. And, and most importantly, let's just be realistic here. Other than his his illness that he actually overcame and, and, and allow him now to be healthy, very seldom he's injured. you know, and, and, and that's a big part of the success that you can have in this league as a player in general, let alone a, a secondary player that just does it very quietly on a team like the Kansas City Chiefs that doesn't really get the individual accolade, so to speak, other than the quarterback position, the individual accolade uh, uh, respect that I think this team actually deserves, especially on the defensive side. But yet they do it collectively well as together as a team. And, and I think that's that's probably, I would say, Eric Berry's sentiment when it comes down to his success. It's more about the guys around him as opposed to him. Let's wrap it up with the details of what's coming up Thursday when it's Kansas City on the road in New England. We know just how lethal the Patriots offense has been, presumably could be even better with the addition of a speedster like Brandon Cooks coming over from the Saints. Cordell, how do you see the matchup between what the Patriots want to do with their arrow attack and Kansas City's secondary? Because we know no Tomba Lee for the Chiefs. He's banged up. Might be even tougher for them to get to Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But when you have players like the Brandon Cooks of the world who who's caught um, Tom Brady's eyes when it comes to his, his capabilities of winning down the football field, uh, to being able to... Um, in the trenches, being able to get in and out of breaks and cuts. I think that does nothing but add to what they already have. Of course, having Rob Gronkowski healthy helps tremendously. Uh, and all the other players you know on this roster who are really good players offensively and defensively, all they do is just keep things in front of them and, and play good football. And, I, and when I look at this game against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs is a team that I would say in the AFC that's not afraid to play against the New England Patriots there in Foxborough. I don't, I don't think they're scared of Gillette Stadium. I don't think they're scared one, one bit. Um, the thing for me is when it comes to Kansas City is how is Alex Smith going to perform when it comes down to the things they need him to do down the football field and not get caught up into, uh, let's just say, uh, this, this, this feeling of Bill Belichick and how he actually is capable of, of taking the strength of an offense away. I mean, you have uh, Tariq Hill, who can be one of those players uh, that could come out of out of the backfield and and be able to make some very good plays. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, they can actually get that accomplished. But I, I just feel that New England's going to be too much for them. 
let's just be realistic. I think they're going to be too much. I think they get started off fast just because. And um, I think they end up having one of those type of games where Kansas City just probably offensively, because I'm going on the offensive side of everything, I don't think they'll be ready because of Alex Smith. I think if they were to get that position squared away and, and get the game plan set up well enough, I think that team can actually compete better against the New England Patriots. But I think because of that, that's probably why they won't have an opportunity to win this game. On defense, though, Chief Safety Eric Berry will be a player to watch on Thursday. Our original team player presented by Miller Lite. This original team player segment has been presented by Miller Lite. The original light beer. Miller Lite. Hold true. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hunt down the man in black with the gunslinger. The first story in Stephen King's iconic fantasy adventure, The Dark Tower, playing now on TuneIn. An epic tale that spans across the dark Mohane Desert. Follow the story of Roland DeShane, the last gunslinger of the Midworld, on a spellbinding journey into good and evil. The gunslinger had followed the man in black across the desert for two months now. With your premium subscription, listen to The Dark Tower. Hour one, The Gunslinger, Stephen King's number one national bestseller, today on TuneIn. At home or on demand, listen to every episode of your favorite podcast right here on TuneIn. TuneIn has the world of news and politics covered with popular podcasts like Can He Do That? by The Washington Post. That's right. This is Can He Do That? A podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. And Pod Save America. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. And TuneIn brings you to the center of investigation reporting with Reveal. Listen to your favorite podcasts or discover new ones today on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's talk fantasy football with Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros and he goes to the near side, and it's picked off, intercepted from the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. And for that, we are pleased to be joined by our pal, Michael Harmon, fantasy analyst, SwollenDome.com. Mike, so many talented first-year running backs to choose from, but if you got to pick one, who do you think has the most favorable matchup? Who's going to have the biggest scoring day week one? Week one, I'll take Dalvin Cook going up against New Orleans. Obviously, we're still waiting to see exactly what what flows behind what is a makeshift and reconstituted offensive line for the Vikings. Uh, but with Murray still coming back off the ankle, we're not sure what his role is, short yardage, goal line, question mark. But Dalvin Cook, both as a receiver and as a runner, should have a field day going up against a pretty porous Saints defense. And when you were teasing it, you know, and, and we heard the McCaffrey highlight, I really thought you were going to do an Al Stewart year of the cat reference. So wow, I'm a disappointed. Wow. Yeah, and, and by the way, kids, Google should be available when Mike joins <laughs> us because none of the references are within the last quarter century. Cordell, your turn. Yes. Speaking of backs, Mike, uh, do you start Le'Veon Bell week one or the concerns about his load in practice this week is going to make you nervous? Hey, 
as long as he's activated, you, you went and drafted him in the first round, he's in your lineup. And if, you know, we always have our concerns about how much we'll see of him, and the, obviously the injury specter is out there over the whole season. But going up against Cleveland, I got to feel that we see at least enough of him to where he's a top five, top six option along the way, because Cleveland's not going to put up a ton of resistance here. If you're looking for great fantasy advice and obscure references, look to Mike Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, you should have gone Year of the Cat slash Do going back and forth. I think I would have gone Do if I was digging deep for the illusion. Back to football. DeAndre Hopkins, now the highest paid receiver in our league. Is he going to come through this year now that he doesn't have Brock Osweiler to slow him down? That is a fantastic uh, reference to saddle up with mine. Uh, Hopkins, uh, top end, number two wide receiver right now. I've got him, you know, in that 15 to 17 range overall. Just trying to see exactly how this plays out because you look at the rest of the cast around him in terms of his receivers. We know how great the defense is. You know, you got Lamar Miller and, and Foreman back there as he acclimates to the league. That that should be fine. But now we're looking at Tom Savage and trying to push the ball downfield. Obviously, the great contract, uh, and I know he had some comments and, and trying to put it all in perspective given the damage and devastation of Harvey. But when we look at his production on the field, I just don't know that on, on a week-to-week basis we're going to be able to comment, you know, be content and, and be confident that we're going to see top-end efforts out of him. But out of, as a second-wide receiver, feeling pretty confident based on the number of targets. Mike, which back for the Eagles would you like to have on your fantasy team? Out of for the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. I, I think I'd like to wait, and then I'll take Darren Sproles later and roll the dice, especially if I'm getting the point per reception. And that'll have himself a, a nice workload. I, although on the overall, when we're looking at starting running backs, you are getting pretty decent value uh, out of LeGarrette Blount because people are afraid that there's a giant you know, fall-off from the New England uh, excess to here in Philadelphia that those goal line opportunities won't be as plentiful. And so I think you get a, get him at a little bit of a discount, but still I'd be going for somebody else as that second running back and, and waiting later on to take Sproles as a, as a fourth with some upside. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. The Fantasy Fix provided by Michael Harmon, fantasy analyst from SwollenDome.com. Mike, we know that wide receivers can be plug-and-play, especially when we're talking about slot receivers. So what fantasy advice would you have for owners who drafted Julian Edelman and lost him to the torn ACL? Yeah, as you go down the road, I mean, I think what you, you had an opportunity, if you're just looking for a, a plug-and-play for value of guys that are just going to amass a ton of targets and receptions, guys like Cole Beasley went undrafted. Guys along that ilk, when, when we look at New England proper, I think there's some value to be had for James White, who would have been one of the last, final rounds, perhaps, depending how deep your league was. He might have gone undrafted altogether as well, giving yourself an option uh, as well. Danny Amendola, maybe you stash and wait and see how he rolls out. Uh, how much do you trust Cooper Cup? Uh, of the Rams, all the talk of the rapport that he has with Jared Goff and and just trying to find a security blanket there in that Rams offense as McVay uh, tries to bring Goff along. So you've got an opportunity and certainly week one going up against Indianapolis. That, that might be one of those one-week roll of the dice if you're playing at a daily league uh, going for this week. Uh, going beyond that, uh, you look at Chicago, there's not a lot with the receiving core. So veteran Kendall Wright, 
might be worth a flip. And then somebody's got to catch the ball in New York. I know that's hard to believe given all the projections out there. <laughs> so Robbie Anderson is the guy that, that is the last man standing, uh, Jeremy Curley notwithstanding. Yeah, you're talking about receivers and, and guys who can have a good year, but when you talk about receivers trending and ready to have a big season, I've heard a few mention Alshon Jeffries as a guy to watch. Yeah, Alshon Jeffries, the, the question is, can he stay healthy? Right? I mean, we watched it in Chicago the last couple of years where you'd have some monster games and he'd be the, the go-to target with making some ridiculous catches in support of Jay Cutler, and then the injury bug would hit and, and away he'd go. So it's the same thing here. So fantasy owners, a bit reticent to really push all the chips to the center of the table on him. He's been going as a mid-second wide receiver, uh, except, you know, you look at some of the – industry drafts, people rolling the dice thinking that um, Carson Wentz is going to take that huge step forward. So certainly uh, an opportunity there. Martavis Bryant coming back off of suspension. Yes, you have the knucklehead effect, but just looking at the, what the offense projects and trying to do anything they can to slow down Bell and Antonio Brown, the, the opportunity is there on the table for Bryant. And if you're a believer in Kirk Cousins, then Terrell Pryor has really pushed forward. Uh, I think just getting away and actually having a logo on his helmet uh, has been good for his draft business. Talking fantasy football, one of the best in the business, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, last one for me. What's your philosophical approach to Patrick Mahomes? Would it be worth stashing him on the bench? I know you're burning a roster slot. Because as I'm thinking about how things could play out in Kansas City, I think his big arm is going to be very tempting for Andy Reid. Yeah, I think if the offense sputters, and obviously week one, a tough task going with New England out of the gate, I, I think Mahomes is a guy, depending on how deep your, your roster is in terms of bench positions and your ability to, to hold hold out, I, I think it's certainly the value there when you look at Hill, when you look at the way this offense is set up with Travis Kelsey, that the opportunity is, is definitely going to be there. It's just a matter of when they flip that, that switch and bring him in. So I, I would agree. I, I think he's a guy that has tremendous upside, and as we're looking at the quarterback position where it gets muddled in the middle, uh, where, where you look at potential upside uh, as things get flowing, particularly with Kareem Hunt. I don't know how much you're, you're going to be able to say, alright, here's 25 touches a game from you. I think you got to get creative uh, in the offense, so that means bringing in the, the big arm Mahomes uh, is going to be better for business. So I, I think a stash and wait and see is certainly there. Mike, as always, we appreciate the insights. You know me well enough that if I think a bit's working, I'm going to beat it into the ground. So as we say goodbye, if we're talking Panthers down the road, you want to go with Cat's Scratch Fever or What's New Pussycat? Because I know you're a big Tom Jones guy. Well, anytime you can get Tom Jones in there, that means everybody gets their slide-over baby music on, the leather pants get flowing, and, and you know, all things kind of get, get a little bit crazy, a little bit sideways. Uh, with Ted Nugent, you go down a whole political thing. <laughs> I don't think we need right now. Okay, and next time, try to drop in an Engelbert Humperdinck reference, because Cordell loves when you talk about crooners from the 70s. There you go, singing to sleep after the loving. <laughs> See you guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to and from the heart of pop culture. Author's note. That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life. I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right. 
From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us. With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Cordell, let's close out the podcast today, welcoming in Peter O'Reilly, the NFL Senior Vice President of Events. Peter, how are you? Good, Brian. How are you guys? We are doing well. We appreciate you taking the time. I'm old enough to remember when the regular season started on a traditional Sunday with everybody playing. Take us through the elevation of the profile around football with the kickoff celebration now 16 years old. Yeah, so we've seen kickoff evolve since uh, you know since the, that year right after 9/11, and it continues to, to grow every year. Obviously, uh, the Super Bowl champion gets the opportunity to host the game, and we're doing quite a celebration here in in Boston throughout this week, doing a lot on the ground, a lot of community events with the Patriots, and then on Thursday at noon, we're doing a big uh, event, kind of a, a rally for the Patriots here in Boston numb with the trophy and giving away some tickets to the game and a musical performance and that'll be great kind of lunchtime event here on Thursday and then leading into will be a pretty special night down at Gillette uh, obviously celebrating the the many championships and a special moment when the the banner is unveiled uh, and and the Patriots and we have a lot of uh, a lot of surprises up our sleeves so it's uh, it's great to be officially back and and just a couple of days now away from it all uh, all kicking off. Peter, normally in this season opener, it's normally a rematch from the two teams that played in the Super Bowl, but it's now the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. How did that work? Was it something that the Atlanta Falcons didn't want to do, or is it just something that we thought would may have been a better game by choosing the Chiefs as opposed to the Atlanta Falcons going against the Patriots? Yeah, there actually haven't been that many rematches in the history of kickoff. We had one last year, obviously, out in Denver with the with the Panthers coming into town. But um, you know, our our schedule makers spent a lot of time looking at all the different scenarios and and what works and and laying out all those permutations. Obviously, it's a great game with the Chiefs coming into into Foxborough um, and determine we play that uh, that Falcons Patriots game later in the year. But obviously, a lot of energy around this one, uh, even not as a rematch. Getting you set for Thursday's kickoff celebration with a great friend of the program, Peter O'Reilly, the NFL Senior Vice President of Events. Peter, on social media, the hashtag random acts of kickoff will be trending. How will all the teams across our league be involved this week? Yeah, the fun part, for the first time this year, beyond just the activities in the Super Bowl champion market, the last few weeks there have been so many great moments where players and coaches and others have done Little moments, what we're calling random acts of kickoff, whether it's, you know, a bunch of Bills players showing up at a youth football practice and surprising them as they get ready for their season. Um, the Panthers having a moment where they have a make-a-wish kid come in and become a Panther for the day. Obviously, as, as Cordell and everyone knows, this is an intense time where everyone's getting ready. But the fact that every team across the league has, an opportunity, had, had created a moment that was special, that got people excited and gave that 
that special feeling, that random act of kickoff. So we're excited to get back, and we've tried to kind of share that that celebration and goodwill over the last few weeks. That'll continue over the next couple of days, and then culminate here in Boston as we kick things off. So uh, I encourage people to check out those random acts of kickoff because there's some pretty special moments there. How can people win tickets to actually be a part of the kickoff game later that night? How how does that work? Yeah, so if you're in the if you're in the area in New England, or if you want to make your way here for Thursday, we're going to be giving away. Uh, a couple of pairs of tickets at the uh, event we're doing here at Christopher Columbus Park right in uh, right along the wharf in Boston so kind of a pop-up event right here you can come down to that event and uh, we're going to premiere the story of the Patriots championship year last year America's game that'll be at 11 and then after that uh, we're going to have some great legends from the Patriots Willie McGinnis Rodney Harrison and others on site here and then we're going to bring some Patriots fans up on stage and test their uh, their knowledge. And then the, the most knowledgeable Patriots fans are going to win uh, win those pairs of tickets. So come on down and a pretty special uh, event and then a chance to maybe make it to the game that night. Chatting with Peter O'Reilly, the NFL Senior Vice President of Events. Peter, let's get into the minutiae on a big word Tuesday. How much of what we're going to see on Thursday is league-driven? And how much of what's going to happen at Gillette Stadium is part of the normal game day operations put on by the Patriots? Yeah, I mean this is this is the Patriots celebration, and they are they are driving it. We're there to support them, um, but it's got to be in their voice, and it's got to you know celebrate them in the way that they deserve to be celebrated. So as we work every year with the Super Bowl champion team, we support them. We try to uh, shine a bigger spotlight uh, on the game and the week and the lead up, and, and do some good in the community with the team. And then, uh, but this championship moment will we'll reflect them, and we're there. We're there to support. When speaking of support, uh, you think of the fan base there in New England. Um, yeah. How do you create that, that, that atmosphere to be even more chaotic than what it already is? This is a team that wins all the time. Like, What do you bring to the table to a team that won so much you think they've seen everything when it comes to their fan base? Yeah, that's, that's, that's hard to do, Cordell. And I think, uh, I think what uh, the Patriots and, and we are, are looking to build there, it's, it's, it's easy to get excited. The, the success is so consistent there and just trying to relive some of those moments with some of the the men who have been a part of those championships and then build to that story of what was uh, one of the greatest comebacks in the history of sports and the first overtime Super Bowl. I think that that building and that fan base will be in a full froth as you get to that moment and everybody watching, every Patriots fan watching uh, around New England and beyond will be pretty fired up. So there's some, there's some great uh, content there to work with to get people fired up for sure. Peter, in our conversations over the years here, we've learned from you that each event is unique. But how do the logistics and coordination of what's coming up on Thursday, not only in New England, but across the league, compare to something like day one of the NFL draft from your perspective? It's different. Obviously, at its core, um, it's about those games. It's about the game on Thursday. It's about those games on Sunday. And for us, it's about really trying to create unity across the league, create a big moment, um, allow the clubs to customize it and make it their own, like those random acts of kickoff. But ultimately, it's about celebrating that we are, we're finally back to, uh, to playing real games. And the one thing that I will add, and you saw this on the Thursday, uh, the week four preseason, is really important for us across these games. More than 100 million fans are going to watch 
an NFL football game this weekend starting Thursday through Monday night. You'll see us also using our platform to continue to raise money and raise awareness for relief efforts in Texas. Uh, clearly, so much has been done, so much money has been raised, but so much more to be done. And obviously, there's another storm uh, in the Atlantic brewing. So making sure that our fans and, and certainly our league and owners and players have been incredible at making sure that given the platform we have, we can uh, continue to raise awareness and, and raise funds. Peter, I guess you can say it's not a bad thing to say. It's almost like preparing for a Super Bowl when it comes to the very first game of the season. How far out are you guys when it comes down to trying to make this a, a, a heck of it, an introduction to uh, the, the new season and, and, and trying to get these teams in position uh, to be able to bring what it is they need to bring to the table, which is a ton of excitement? Yeah, so I mean, it, that that process starts. I think we, uh, you know, overtime ended, and we went back to the hotel, and then you wake up the next morning and say, okay, we're doing kickoff in New England, and what does that mean, and how do you start to to plan for that? Obviously, working with the team, and this year it was beyond New England. It was about how do we create that national feeling, that national swell of interest. Uh, through these stunts and moments across the country. So that, that whole clock reboots when the, when the Super Bowl ends, as you know, and you just uh, you start thinking about what the new year could bring. And it's fun. It's fun to reinvent and, and create it new every year. Finally, we do traffic and weather together here on TuneIn. What's the forecast for Thursday night? Uh, I think we'll be pretty good Thursday night. I think we, are, mm. uh, we may have some weather on, uh, on Thursday during the day, but... Uh, you know, Pats fans are hardy, and I know they'll come out to the uh, the concert and the event we're having out here. And I think we should be clear uh, come kickoff out at uh, Gillette. So it should be a, a nice night to uh, to start things off. Peter, as always, we appreciate the information. We'll be watching on Thursday, and we look forward to chatting with you as we get closer to the Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, Combine. We cover it all, of course, here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Cordell. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.